My, my name is Keith Case, and I'm a pastor here at Providencia, uh, West Palm Beach, and um, hopefully we're going to have even more pastors here pretty soon. Um, just praying. Some, there's some, some women out there in this church that are praying about things, you know, praying about getting ordained and stuff like that. Um, that's exciting. And uh, Josh Jones, who is up here doing our confession, he's in the process of doing that. And Jordan Smith, who is full-time at Memorial now, he's in the process of doing that. And we're only like a three-year-old church, a little over three years old. And uh, it's a lot of people considering uh, becoming pastors. So uh, really excited about that, and that's happening here. Uh, One of the people who some of you know who uh, hasn't been around for a little while in fact, even when he was here, he was kind of south of here. Uh, J.D., he's going to be uh, preaching tonight. Some of you guys know J.D., but uh, J.D. was a part of things when Providencia was first getting started three and a half years ago. And soon into our time getting to know each other, he said, Keith, man, I really want to be in a more urban environment. I want to be really working with the poor on an ongoing basis every day. And I was on the board of an organization down in Little Havana at the time um, called Urban Promise. And so I uh, worked out some things with them. J.D. went down, lived in Miami. Uh, it was for like a year, right? Uh, served there in Little Havana, learned a lot of things. And then went from there, Little Havana, uh, said, you know, this isn't big enough for me. Uh, so he went to New York City, where he's from, uh, to Harlem with a church called Renaissance Church there. And, and worked with them for a couple of years. Um, and now he's back here because uh, Dr. Grins, who's here tonight, loves people so much that, you know, they just come back eventually uh, to West Palm Beach. And um, he's back here finishing his MDiv. So he's been back here around Prov, and J.D. is a gifted uh, preacher. It's uh, one of the things that people will share about him. And this is first time preaching here at Providencia, I think, in long time and he preached back in October so he's still like stretching out you know and getting uh you know getting the limbs uh, working again and hand motions and all that kind of stuff but we're super excited to have him come and share from God's word tonight about his uh, journey uh, with the Lord and uh, his understanding his growing understanding of our engagement with scripture so if you would, without further ado, give a warm welcome to J.D. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it. There you go. A word about, I am kind of stretching my limbs out. So the louder that you are, the better I'll sound to you. So be free to, be, to kind of yell at me again. Cool. Yeah, that's right. I, I sound better when you do that. So it's good. Um, I'm super, super thankful to be here with you guys. Um, This, like Keith was mentioning, is kind of a full circle kind of experience for me. Um, I remember the church really didn't even have a name, and we were meeting in people's houses, and we went to the library to figure out if this ship called Providencia was actually a real thing or if it was like some kind of myth lore that's in West Palm Beach. But it is a real thing. Um, And uh, through that journey, like Keith said, got to spend some time in Miami and be back with my family, spend some time in Harlem in New York City. I was also a part of an organization called Young Life. Some of you guys might have, may or may not know of Young Life. Um, got to spend a couple years with them. Um, yeah, now I'm back in West Palm. I missed the walks along the intercoastal, you know. I missed um, hammocking in the island, even though now they won't let you be there anymore. So that's kind of a bummer. But um, 
But it's amazing to be here, um, amazing to see new faces, and I'm super grateful to be with you guys. Um, today we're continuing in our series called Rooted. If you've been with us, you know that that's kind of what we've been doing and going through different values of our church. Um, this month, we're going to be talking about being rooted in Scripture. Um, and so that's what we're going to be going through. Today's kind of like an intro message to that. I'll do my best. Um, and really, it's a, we're going to be looking at being rooted in Scripture as an invitation to be a part of the story of God. Um, one thing to know, uh, you have connection cards. If you have any questions that you have about Scripture in general, feel free to write those down. Um, Keith and the staff will be looking through those, um, and maybe he can sneak some of those answers in in the next couple weeks as he goes through that. So feel free to write those questions down, um, and we'll try to address them as, as we go on. Um, full disclosure, being rooted in Scripture. Full disclosure, I want to be honest. Um, I have a complicated relationship with Scripture. Um, and, and that's weird sometimes for like a person who studied theology to say that. Um, it seems almost like the more you study it, sometimes the more complicated it kind of gets. Um, and it's interesting because it's like the most published book ever, the Bible is. Um, and I, I don't have the stats to back this up, but it's okay. Like 82% of statistics are made up anyway on the spot. And so... I'm pretty sure also that it's like the book that has the most other books written about it, if that makes sense. Like you have whole libraries and collections of commentaries and everyone has something to say about the Bible. Um, there's a lot of opinions out there and sometimes that doesn't help with all the complexities of it, but sometimes it does. And so I realize that um, engaging with the scripture sometimes can be, um, a it's, a it's a wrestle, you wrestle with it. And sometimes engaging with Scripture, there's nuances and things you don't fully understand and the things that are great that bring us hope and joy. And there are other things that can kind of frighten us as we don't fully understand it. But I've also realized that a lot of the times that I see Scripture as complicated or complex, a lot of times it's my own baggage that I'm bringing to the table. Um, a lot of times it's my own experiences and old teachings that I've learned. And I've been in Bible college for years and I can't shake the things that I learned when I was five about it. Um, and, and, and some of those things, uh, some of that baggage, an example of that would be, I used to think that the most spiritual thing that I could do was read the Bible in a year. Like, read, just read the whole thing, and that will make you super spiritual and super connected with God. And I never got past Leviticus. So what does that mean about my spirituality, right? What does that mean about my relationship with God? To which some people try to say, well, J.D., you're a sinner. That's why you can't read through the Bible. But there's also tons of other books that I start and don't finish. It's not just the Bible. It's kind of just a thing I do with books in general. So, right? Come on, right? So... So it's like, what is it at the core of it? What is it that we are being invited into? Um, one of these other things that I have as baggage, and I'll talk about it a little later, is um, I was given the Bible as kind of like this instruction manual that if you just follow these instructions and plug these in and do these things, you'll get X result. And that seemed to never work. And that's a weird thing, too, because um, if you look at the Christian, the whole of the Christian tradition, and you see all the different types of expressions that you have, the Presbyterians and the Anglicans and the Catholics and all of this, if we all have the same set of instruction manuals and we're all coming up with all of these different things, what's up? 
Like what's going, if, if we all went to Ikea, bought bookshelves, followed the instructions, we pretty much get the same bookshelf. Some of us would have the panel like a little weird and stuff like that. But overall, we'd still have the same bookshelf. So what is it? Um, I like to propose that scripture itself is, is a launching pad to our relationship with God. It in itself is not a relationship with God. And sometimes it's taught that way, like enter a personal relationship with your Bible right? Um, and, 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 and that's good, and we, should, we need to engage Scripture. We want to be rooted in Scripture, but we also have to know that Scripture is a launching pad for the real relationship that we have with God, and we engage with Jesus. It's a launching pad for our relationship with Jesus, that we may follow Him better, that we may know who God is. Scripture also um, sparks our imagination, and it's a guide for us as we live. So two passages that I want to talk about that will kind of frame our discussion for us. Um, the first is in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. Hopefully they're up there, cool. And it goes like this. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have and, and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the second passage is Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 to 21. It says this, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land of the Lord that the Lord swore to give your ancestors as many as the days in heaven and in the heavens and the earth above. So these passages, um, I think, illuminate some things for us. For one, it's true that Scripture is designed to kind of give us instruction and give us guide. But, but there's a guidance. But there's a few things to notice about this passage. passage. First, in 2 Timothy, it says, Continue in what you have learned. This is a process, and it's a journey, and it's okay. And it's okay that I have a complicated relation with Scripture. It's okay if you do. It, it, it's a journey that we continue on. It's something that we wrestle through, we learn from, and we continue on in the path. A lot of times we think that spirituality or like spiritual growth is supposed to be like one point all the way up. But really, it's more like this kind of cyclical thing. And, and it's not about even being high or low on the graph. It's about moving forward. As we progress, we're getting close to God. Some of the deepest, most intimate moments we have with God is when we're low down in the valley. It's important that we continue on in the things that we learn. Secondly, these uh, in infancy, which you've known, the Holy Scriptures, which make which are able to make you wise for salvation. A lot of what Scripture does is uh, lead us towards wisdom. And wisdom is a way that we become really good at navigating life. It's, it's not so much about getting all of these answers right, but being formed as a wise person that leads to salvation. And for, for our purposes, um, I like to think of salvation as wholeness. 
I like to think of salvation as, um, in the Hebrew, you have this word shalom. And it's this idea of wholeness and wholeness with God and wholeness with one another. And really, it's wisdom that leads us to this kind of wholeness with one another. And, and scripture, which is God-breathed, and this is really cool. What other thing in the Bible is God-breathed? Man. Scripture, just like us, being inspired, breathed into, is useful for our teaching, our rebuking, our being challenged, our correcting, and our training in righteousness, that we would be equipped for the good works. And that's the part of being invited into God's story, the work that God is doing that we get to be equipped and be a part of. And we take these words and we fix them on our hearts. Because the truth is that we are prone to wander. We are so prone to wander. And that's why a lot of the passage and a lot of people try to frame the scripture solely in this idea of instruction, in this idea of guidance. And I get it. Here's a story. When I was about uh, 11 or 12, my family and I went to, this, uh, went to the Dominican Republic. Um, I'm a first-generation kid, so I was born in the States. My parents were born in the Dominican Republic. So if you go on a trip as a first-gen kid with, to your parents' homeland, a big part of that trip is visiting their old friends and family, right? People that are there. And for an 11- and 12-year-old, that's like the worst part of the trip. That's like the most <laughs> boring thing that you could be doing when you're in another country. And I remember one time we were going to a family member's house. We get there. I get out of the car. I'm dreading this whole experience. I'm just hoping that there's other kids in the house and that their toys are cool enough to play with and stuff like that. I'm dreading the experience. As I come out down the block, I hear kids playing. So I go, all right. And they're playing this game called uh, vetilla. So if you ever wondered why Dominicans are so good at baseball, it's because of vetilla. It's like this little plastic um, bottle cap, probably a little smaller than a hockey puck, and they kind of just fling it. And someone so pitching, they fling it, and someone's hitting with like a br- wooden broomstick, like literally, without the broomstick, but, and they're just swinging and hitting it. I'm like, I want to go there, right? So I ask my mom if I can go. I go off. Whew, I start playing with them a little bit, the American kid in the Dominican Republic. I hit the betilla up into the palm tree. Now we can't play anymore. Sandlot, right? So, <laughs> so I had some money on me. I was like, oh, can we get another one? I go to the store. I go, I go with the guys to the store. I get another one. And then while I'm at it, let's get some Gatorades for everybody, right? Because why not? What else am I going to do with that money? And so we start doing that. We come back and we keep playing a little bit. And then I heard my name being yelled, but not from the direction of the house. I heard it from behind me. And as I turn, it's my dad, livid, livid. As I go, walk of shame in front of everybody. As I get into the taxi, I realize that I actually was never given permission to go. To this day, I was allowed to go. I mean, I went so happy. You know when you do something you're not supposed to be doing, it's kind of like, it wasn't like that. Like, I was skipping over there. So I'm so confused about it, but my parents are confident that I was not given permission to go. And sometimes what I, when I think of that story, when I think about instruction, I think perhaps maybe it was my strong desire to go somewhere else that made me perceive or interpret that situation that way. Now, the desire that I had itself wasn't a bad one. 
but it was misplaced at the wrong time. Because what I didn't notice, I'm in a foreign country. I'm an American in a foreign country. I feel Dominican, but everyone knows that I'm not from there. I'm in a neighborhood where everyone could spot me. At one point, my parents asked someone if they, when they were looking for me, and they told them, yeah, he's wearing this, he's wearing this, he's wearing this, he's wearing this. And plus, I'm at the store like I got money. <laughs> it's all kinds of bad. It's all kinds of bad, but I think a lot of times that illustrates the story of kind of wandering and sometimes not knowing what, how strong our desires may be. We may end up in a situation that we've wandered from. Now, Jesus talks about this a lot with his disciples and those who follow him. He refers to us as sheep. If you grew up in church, I'm sure that you've heard that. A few characteristics about sheep. I'm not going to say that they're unintelligent. I'm not going to say that they're not unintelligent, but they're not known for their intelligence. Sheep kind of um, fall into ditches, and sheep kind of, there's stories of sheep that will go off a cliff, and then another sheep will just follow that sheep off the cliff, and then there's 200 sheep off the cliff. Like, how did we get here? But part of it is because sheep are directionless. Um, They're not that good at directions, so they kind of wander, and that's why you kind of got to hoard them in. Um, sheep also are pretty defenseless, which is sad, but also kind of funny. Because if a wolf comes to the sheep, there's no kind of defense strategy to it. Like, it's kind of just bad. Like, there's nothing. The wool doesn't come out and kind of, like, wrap you up or nothing. So sheep are pretty defenseless. And and yet what's amazing about them, and, and, and the other reason why Jesus uses them as an example, is because they are really good at listening to the voice of their shepherd when their shepherd calls. They come. And so even though they wander, even though they're defenseless, they hear the voice of the shepherd and they respond. Man, we know, we know that to be true about us. Maybe not the responding part, but the directionlessness the defenselessness, we feel that. Like the hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. So oftentimes we compensate by treating Scripture like a transaction. Um, We enter into these personal relationships with our Bible to try to get an output from it. Um, And in the process, we can leave Jesus behind. In the process, and we know that we've left Jesus behind because we've grown in knowledge, but our hearts haven't been transformed to imitate his. One of these other baggage things that I was given is this acronym, okay? Now, I thought that this was a thing, but I've asked like four or five people and no one knows what I'm talking about. So at this point, I think that somebody at my church when I was growing up just made it up. So the Bible, an acronym for Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. Has anyone else heard that? Oh, thank you. See? Yeah. Basic instructions for leaving earth. I thought somebody was clever enough to make that up in my church. First of all, it's kind of like, it's, it's also shortly absurd. So the Bible starts with um, this garden and a city being built. And it ends with a garden and a city being built. Actually, a city symbolically coming down, representing a new civilization, a new way of living, a new ethos. And we live in between those two gardens. We live in between those two trees. So the before leaving earth part, let's just kind of take that out of there and scrap that. The Bible is about here. The Bible is about now. Um, 
But the basic instructions part kind of gets you. You kind of want it to just be basic instructions, right? It's very easy if you just do this, 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 and this. But it's more complicated than that. Now, the Bible does contain instructions within it, but it's, it can't just be limited to instructions. And sometimes even the instructions that are given, you kind of got to sort through some things in order to get to the core of it sometimes. But, but at the heart of it, the desire to make it a manual is the desire to try to kind of earn our way to God. See, manuals are about doing and the results that they produce. But maybe if we engaged the Bible in a different way, we might have somewhat of a different result. A better um, question about what, rather than what am I doing when it comes to Scripture, might be, who am I becoming? Instead of us being human doings and instead living into our human beingness, what is it, who am I becoming? Who is God transforming me to be as I engage the scripture? You can read the Bible in a year and not be transformed. For some of us, it might be better to just read Psalm 23 and meditate over that for a month. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Because God seeks the transformation. Here's the thing. If you, if you are in an enclosed social bubble, which is a lot of Christianity, if you are in an enclosed social bubble, it's easy to do the doing without the being. If, if, if a lot of us know this from growing up. If, if we have the right amount of fear in our theology, it's easy to do the doing and not the being and not encounter the transformation. It's about being and becoming. It's not a manual. I propose that it's invitation into God's story. See, the scriptures acknowledge sin and violence and oppression as realities, but they proclaim ultimately that those things do not have the final word. There are many approaches to interpreting the Bible. I'm going to propose one, and I think this one is special more so for our community, and, and that'll make sense in a minute. Here at Providencia, if you don't know, uh, we do this thing called story groups. Um, and, and story groups are a time um, where we get to sit in a small group and share each other's stories. Um, for us here, story groups is a sacred time. Um, you get to listen to someone's story, and when you're ready, you get to share um, one of your own. Um, and part of what makes this time special is that as we hear someone's story, we're not trying to fix them. As we hear someone's story, we're, we're not trying to give them advice to change things. As we listen to their story, what we want to do is sit with them. We want to feel what they're feeling. We want to, um, uh, we want to empathize with them. And as you do that, you realize that your own heart begins to be stirred. And aspects of someone else's story start stirring things in your own story. And it's in that place where I think we are opened up to experience that shalom of God. It's that, it's that moment where we are opened up and we're stirred that God is able to come into those aspects of our life to offer us healing. It's a sacred time. And, and I would propose for us, out of the different types of methods of 
encountering Scripture, interpreting Scripture, all which, most of which have their place that is good and we should learn from. What, if, what would it be like if we had the same disposition that we had to one another in our story groups with Scripture? What if we took that same kind of disposition to Scripture? And I know that that's part of the heart of story group is that we would listen well to each other and then together we can turn and listen to God's story. And, and, and what happens is when you do that, you realize there's messiness in Scripture just like there's messiness in us. And there's complexities and nuances and weirdness. And what if we were just okay with being rooted in Scripture in such a way where we absorb its message. We absorb its feeling and we sit with it and allow it to stir in us without trying to fix it, without trying to make it say something else, but we just sit with it and let it be a part of us. And the sacredness and the messy, it's emotional and that's okay. And and when we do that, just as we do in story groups, perhaps we can bring some questions. And here are some that have been helpful for me. Why has this story been preserved for so long? As we encounter the Bible and we see that these are ancient stories, why have these stories been preserved for so long? Why did someone see it important enough to write it down, to share and one of my favorites is this. What is true for the person or author of a biblical text? What is true for a person within the story of the biblical text? What might be true for the biblical author of a text? What might be true for them that can also be true for us today? Those are questions that might help reframe our approach to scripture. Because as we do that, I believe that we see scripture as an invitation into a story of faith. We see scripture as an invitation to a story of hope. We see it as an invitation into a story of love. We see a God who abandons power and glory, the thing that we all live to try to grasp in our own different ways. We see a God who abandons power and glory and puts his life entrusted in his creation and comes as a babe. And we see a God who lives, who lives and dwells among us in such a way, giving freedom to those that are captive, bringing in those who are far away. We see the story of God's outpouring love intended to stop cycles of violence. We see the outpouring of God's love intended to stop cycles of poverty through generosity. We see the outpouring of God's love intended to stop isolation and shame from those on the margins of God who creates a table and a feast for all to come and partake. As we engage this story, we continue on in the journey hopefully becoming wise to salvation, to shalom, knowing that Scripture can be our anchor and our guide and is useful for us for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for our own training in righteousness.
that we may be equipped for every good work, journeying, joining God in the work that He's accomplishing on earth. And as we take this approach with Scripture, I really do believe that God speaks to you. God speaks to us. Um, Not necessarily this like audible voice, but maybe a stillness within you, a peace within you. And when He does speak to you, Fix those words on your hearts and on your minds. And when he does meet you, tie that as a symbol on your hand and bind it on your forehead. Teach it to those around you. Talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down and when you get up. When he speaks to you, put it on your doorframe and on your gates so that your days may dwell with him. God teaches us and reveals to us through his word. It's one of the many ways that he does it. And we engage and enter into God's story as we read it. And we imagine and see ourselves in it. And we ask God what he might also have for us. And as we do, we get to hear the voice of our shepherd clearly, a little more clearly, a little more clearly. Let's pray.